0: Axing Principal and your host, Dr. G. It's been a month now since I've been on. I've been away. Uh, had an interesting experience. I had to go back to Utah for a little bit and uh, be a bridesmaid. Not everybody gets that opportunity, especially when you're a guy. But uh, my best friend of 20 years. I couldn't resist it was a great time. But that's not why I'm here tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about fighting ignorance. case you missed the description or if you don't get it, uh, if you go on Blog Talk Radio, you can see the description there. Uh, What I'm going to be talking about tonight is basically the entire crux and focus and the reason why I created the Axiom Principle, and this reminds me of a story that I'm going to share with you. Um, When I first started my career, this is 1900s, (laughs) is in the 90s. Someone on there. Um, well I was working help desk at the time and this lady calls and uh, she uh, had an issue with her computer. I don't remember what the issue was to be honest cuz uh, it kind of all blurs together once to you work help desk for a while. It's pretty much the same issue every single time it feels like but she called in, and I was troubleshooting her machine, and there was some lull time. So basically, when you had to reboot the computer back then, it took you like two to five minutes for that stupid thing to restart because it just took forever. The processing power that we have today is a billion times faster than what we used to have in the '90s. So she would, uh, we we got to conversation because you know, I, I, instead of just listening to dead air and making them think that no one was there, I, I had to start up a conversation. And she said, oh, you're so smart. You're so intelligent. I, was, I asked her, why? Why do you say that? And she's like, well, you know all these things about computers and that. And I was like, all right, well, what do you do? And she told me she was a, uh, let me get this right. She is a OR nurse, is what she said. And I was like, well, what's that? And she's basically the person that assists the, um, surgeon during cardiac surgery she was a she's an OR nurse that did mostly cardiac surgeries and some neuro neurological ones but essentially she was the one that's assisting the doctor every step of the way in surgeries and uh, i asked her how how the hell can you do that i, I don't know anything about uh the the util- the utensils if you will the ut- the tools, I guess, that you would use in such things. Why, why do you think I'm so smart when you got all this knowledge about anatomy and biology that I, I just don't possess? I could never do your job. And she's like, oh, I never really thought about it like that. And this is where I'm trying to get to the point. Why is it important to quash ignorance? Because we're all ignorant of something. What that something is varies between our skill levels and our intelligence. But to the the point, most of us end up picking a trade, something we love doing, something we can do. Maybe we don't love it, but we know that we can do it, right? And we follow that and learn about it and expand upon it and learn every detail of it so that we can be the best person or we can love that particular field the most and become an expert, essentially, in that field. But that doesn't mean that those skills can cross over to others. So to give you an example where they could cross over and why I think this is important when it comes to the realms of ignorance is I'm really good with IT stuff, right? I'm really good with computers. So when I started up a podcast and decided to do YouTube videos and all that, I'm really good at um, the skills to get the, the software and the equipment running, the microphones and all that, because it's all the same type of technology stuff. But coming up with subjects, getting people to listen, <laughs> marketing, getting uh, advertising hooked into this, getting the, uh, the subjects and figuring out what I'm going to do next i I had to learn that not on the fly, but it was it was borrowed knowledge from another um trade. The broadcasting trade is something that I don't know much about and so I've had to learn what I don't know. I had to accept my ignorance of broadcasting of marketing in order to do a podcast so in essence. The axiom principle is a very is a very created thing. I don't know how else to put it. It's something that I created based on my own ignorance. I didn't know how to do this. I knew I wanted to say something. I knew wanted I wanted to com- combat ignorance in every way possible. But to combat ignorance, I'd also have to combat it within myself. So let's. Uh, Move on, and uh, I think I've hit pretty well on why is it important to understand ignorance and where it comes from. Uh, it's basically our lack of knowledge and understanding, right? Well, what are some things that exist today divide us, and they're based on ignorance. As an atheist, the first thing I can think of is a religion. There is so many religions out there. We got we got. The three main ones, Jewish, Christian, and Muslim. We also have Hindi, or Hindu, however you want to put it. Hindi is the language, Hindu is the religion. And in Hindu, it's a polytheistic religion, so they have multiple gods. We also have Krishna, Krishna's, which is also Hindu. We also have Confucianism and Taoism. We have I Ching. We have... Buddhism, we have Shintoism, and then we have a ton of little factions that are aligned with that. To give examples, in the Muslim you have the Shiites and the Sunni and the Wahhabi. In Christianity, you have Mormons, you have Pentecostals, you have televangelists, you have Baptists, and so on. In the Jewish faith, you have Orthodox, you have Unorthodox, you have uh, Deists. I would consider actually Jewish as well, even though um, the first Deist, Spinoza, was excommunicated. It seems like a lot of the Jewish people still accept God, but God is everything. Um, ben Shapiro, actually, uh, when he was asked the question of how he equates God and what's his, how he, Logically determines that there is a God He did the Argument from ignorance in fact That uh, There's a first cause and there's a first Mover and that first mover was God Period and that's where he started And that's, It is what it is and that's just how it is But the truth of the matter Is, is we have no idea what happened Past point zero for our own Universe So it's an argument for, from Ignorance But that's how he justifies God. And with him, he's got a grand following, right? Well, he's using religion in this one aspect as a dividing factor. Not intentionally, because I don't think he's the type of person that actually wants to divide people but unify them. Um, But I'm pretty sure he also doesn't want everybody to be Jewish as well. That's his religion, and you practice yours, and that's, that's the end of it. But religion is a very big thing that divides us individually on an intellectual level because we each believe in something completely different or we don't believe. Atheists are the ones that don't believe any gods exist. There is many other sources that divide us that are based on ignorance. Race is one of those. Believe it or not, uh, racism is a form of ignorance. It's to say that um, a black, a white, and a yellow, and an Asian, and and brown, and whatever. It, it's obvious that our skin color is different. But what isn't obvious is that we are actually different or not. There are, is some. There is a few physiological differences. Our skeletal structure is different. And uh, through the bones, people can determine your, um, not your necessary ancestry, but they can determine um, your race based on your skeletal structure. There is very few uh, genetic markers that are different, but we're talking a a less than 1% difference. And that less than 1% is basically what triggers it to become that you're a black person versus a white person or you're brown or so on and so forth. And that genetic marker is very, very small. In fact, you can find twins that are both. One's white, one's black, but they came out of a Hispanic family or they look Hispanic. Um, They're very light skinned. So they probably had the blood of both of them. They could have been halflings themselves, and who knows, right? However, the th- the reason why I say that racism is a form of ignorance is because it makes a grand assumption that just because the color of the person's skin is brown, black, white, or whatever, that they must necessarily have common traits with other people um, based on stereotypes. And the stereotypes are there in large... Um, can be construed as true, especially when um, people act out those stereotypes or they're used uh, and demonstrated in culture or in movies or whatever have you. And you see these acted out as stereotypes. But the race itself is, is largely an assumption to say, That that person, because they're a different skin tone, must be inherently different, therefore bad. It's a false assumption. You know nothing about that person. You know uh, nothing about their background. You know nothing about their history, their ancestry, their location, where they grew up, their circumstance or situation. You have a complete lack of knowledge of that individual other than what you can see, your based observations. So you make grand assumptions. You're making an opinion formed from ignorance. You know nothing, but you assume. Gender is another one that's just like that. There's many stereotypes about women, for example. Since I'm a guy, I'll speak from this perspective. But there's many assumptions that women... Uh, are better in the house, that they are better at child rearing and stuff like that. And that's not necessarily true. Many of the child murders that happen um, when, uh, say, any, I, it's usually the ones that make the news are the ones where it's like a four-year-old or a two-year-old gets drowned or uh, is killed and stabbed or something. It's usually the mom that is doing the killing. And unfortunately, it might be postpartum depression. It might be a a variety of issues that that trigger this horrific act. But it's, it's not a stereotype that you would think associates with mothers when the stereotype is that moms make the best caregivers. But clearly, that's not always the case. But it's an informed opinion based on ignorance. Same thing goes for males. Males are assumed to be less uh, emotional. They are assumed to be stronger in some cases. Um, And they're assumed to be dumber in in other circles, particularly feminist circles. But it's not necessarily true. Um, It's all an opinion based on ignorance where you take a collectivist stance is usually where you start an ignorant assumption. But I thought I'd do a little side street from this uh, particular discussion about uh, ignorance and uh, do a little Google search because, you know, you're going to look for tools to try and help yourself learn better or uh, remove ignorance or, you know, do what you can. And uh, fun little thing, don't trust Google, especially on this topic. It might be just because I have Google um, Scholar installed, which goes out and looks at all sorts of uh, – it looks at the studies and journals and stuff like that and tries to hit all those those type of locations so that I can get um, scholarly articles and then I can later just go look them up in the, uh, in the library. But – the first five or six are just, uh, what the hell? So, first one's The Yoga Book, A Practical Guide to Self-Realization. We need to remove all the obstacles, dispelling ignorance that obscures... Blah, dot, 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 to remove ignorance effectively. Interrupted awareness gives us basic methods of removing ignorance. Awareness does not necessarily negate ignorance. As I've already pointed out, your observations could be wrong. So if you're aware of situation and surroundings, that just makes you cognizant of the, the now. It does not inform you, nor does it relieve your ignorance. The one I found the most entertaining, Green Chai Cafe, or Green Chi, rather. Removing Ignorance, Part 4. Let's see. No, that wasn't the right one. No, there it is. It's it's actually in the Quora. It was about the sixth one down. Just I did effective methods of removing ignorance as a Google search, and this is what I found, and I was entertained. So if it, about the one, two, three, yeah, fifth one down. This is this is what it reads in the uh subtext when you can read internet uh, underneath. It just gives you a little snippet of what the article's about. First, be grateful that ignorance can be unlearned. Full stop. That's a semicolon there. But I stopped and went ignorance can be unlearned? The the very definition of lack of knowledge can be unlearned. <laughs> I, I'm struck in in awe of somebody's clear <laughs> lack of understanding of the English language when I read this one. I thought it was very entertaining, but uh, no, you're not going to find much out there in how you can tackle your own ignorance or somebody else's ignorance. So let's get to the second segment of this particular conversation. Ignorance doesn't necessarily translate to intelligence. What do I mean by that? Ignorance is a lack of knowledge. Just because you go and learn to remove that ignorance, you learn about a subject or topic, does not make you smarter about that topic you may not necessarily grasp the points. Maybe you learned it, and you can regurgitate those facts because we're all taught to do that. But that is a failing that I'm going to get to in a a little bit about uh, something that can help you improve your intelligence that would also help you comprehend the information that that you're looking for or you're receiving, which will then in turn fight your own ignorance or somebody else's. So, what you should do first—the uh, easiest method, the first method you should try—is to learn epistemology. And epistemology, in, per, in particular, street epistemology. I would recommend uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Anthony Mag—can't Mag- never say his name right Magabosco, Magna Bosco. There we go. <laughs> Anthony has uh, several videos. On YouTube, where he has discussions. He practices street epistemology with a number of people, just random people at at parks, at uh, events, at school. He actually uh, took a trip recently and went to the UK to a conference to talk about street epistemology. Street epistemology, in particular, is a Socratic method to having a discussion. So the story that I shared before, where I discussed with the person who was calling into tech support, I used a form of straight epistemology with this lady. First, it was more that I wanted to quell the idea that just because I know technology, that I know IT stuff, that doesn't necessarily make me smart. It just makes it so my trade, I just know things in this particular field. It gives you the perception that I'm smarter. But that is not necessarily the case. It does not mean that I am, in fact, smart or smarter than you. But in street epistemology, what you can do is you can sit down with another person, individual person. This sometimes works in groups, but it's best one-on-one. And you have a conversation, but you use the Socratic method. And in the Socratic method, if you were to search that term up, You might get a little bit uh, better results than you can unlearn ignorance. What you find is a Wikipedia page. I would not trust that, to be honest. Uh, But the three that I would probably trust, philosopher.org, law.uchicago.edu, and criticalthinking.org. Each one of those have a really good description of what the Socratic method is. Stanford also has an exquisite example of the Socratic method. If you want to use street epistemology, you can go to streetepistemology.org, I believe it is. Let me double check that. Or is it .com? It's .com, excuse me streetepistemology.com is a resource where you can go in and read the blog, the templates. they got transcripts. They have resources. They have a community. You can reach out to a lot of different people and discuss it. And uh, essentially, it'll give you a lot of information on what street epistemology is and how you can use it. And essentially, it's described as a reason-based approach. But if you start with the Socratic method, it's where you should... um, at least grab a base understanding of what that is. Essentially, I'm going to go to um, La Chicago EDU and discuss it from their point of view. Uh, the Socratic method is well over 2,000 years old. What's amazing is not many people know how to use it, which is kind of frustrating. But... Uh, The easiest way to describe it is you don't, you don't engage, engage in debate, but instead you engage of just a constant stream of questions. To give you an example, um, say you're sitting down with somebody and you're discussing um, – let's keep it with religion for now. Let's, let's say you're discussing the Bible and they believe that certain aspects of the bible are prophecy and therefore uh make the bible true because those prophecies have come true in using the socratic method you would ask questions to determine whether or not that was actually true like is the bible true are those are those are those uh, prophecies actually true do you really understand what they said could they have been Um, applied in other situations? Does that actually make them true if it's happened repeatedly and yet nothing else has happened beyond that? You, you You simply drill down with questions. And I would recommend, if you use the Socratic method, that you drill down in an earnest effort to see if you were wrong all along. I would question another And I would question them in a manner that would suggest that I am the fool. I am the ignorant one. I'm looking to see if you have knowledge that I do not. Uh, Socrates was very famous for always questioning his students in his search for knowledge, assuming that he knew nothing, but his students probably knew more than him. This is exactly true. As I mentioned before, each of us have trades. Each of us have a skill set that we're good at that not a whole lot of people are really good at some of us are better than others uh, but that's either because we have a a skill set for it we have a knack for it, affinity for it Um, we tried really hard and became good Um, some of us are just talented some of us are not and some of us are talented in different fields and we didn't realize it until we tried some of us learned skills that require constant practice, training, and honing, like martial arts, for example. But to gain knowledge would require you, if you are to use epistemology or the Socratic method, is to recognize that you do not know what somebody else knows. You can't read another person's mind. So what you do is you ask questions to basically get at their mind, basically turning the person you are talking to into your teacher. You're asking them questions because you seek to know. So you drill down. And it could be found after an endless tirade of questioning that in fact they were the ones that were wrong. In the case with the Bible, And any other religion for that matter, it's normally the outcome that the person who believes in God or the devil or gods or Vishnu or Krishna or Jain or whatever is wrong. And the reason why we find that is because we go through and something just doesn't quite fit. Sure, they may have a lot of answers, but when you start to drill down, there's another tool at your disposal that you must constantly be cognizantly aware of to be able to combat ignorance. It's not good enough to just be able to ask questions and understand how to ask those questions, but you need to be able to comprehend what's being said to you, watch for pitfalls and traps, and then understand that that's faulty reasoning, the logic. Of course, I'm speaking of fallacies and psychological defense mechanisms. These are two things that I keep with me at all times. I look for I look for fallacies. I look for people when they're when they're discussing things um, about any topic, any subject. It doesn't matter. I look for any time that they may contradict themselves, that they may use a straw man, which is to basically take down a question and tear it down and try to make it easier to attack. Actually, in a Socratic method or in a Socratic reasoning, you should never see a straw man because you're not placing an argument before them. You're simply asking questions. You're trying to drill down to the art and the answers that you're looking for. But what you will find is circular reasoning. What you will find is um, black and white thinking. This uh, – there is no middle path. There's only right and wrong, yes or no. In fact, there's a number of fallacies that you'll run into that are they're that very common with uh, the Socratic method, and you need to know them all. There's a book that is free online, and you can look it up. It's the um, – See if I can find it for you, real quick. Yes, an illustrated book of bad arguments is his name. You can go to bookofbadarguments.com and basically read the whole thing. I bought it myself because I wanted to fund their absolutely wonderful book because it was just that good. It's listed in Goodreads at four stars, has a 3.8 rating with 2,500 votes on Amazon. You can find this book with a four-star rating with 500 reviews and a hardcover. It's about $11. Kindle, you can buy it on Kindle for $7.50. I recommend Kindle over the hardcover because hardcover, they probably use a uh, publishing stream where they they only get like 30% of the proceeds. I wanted a physical cover, physical book over a uh, virtual book on this one in particular, so that's why I got it that way. But if you do the Kindle version, they get 70% of the proceeds that go into purchase. So I'd recommend if you're just getting it to get it to um, buy the Kindle version over the hardcover. That's, that's neither here nor there. Um, but in the book of bad arguments, it covers a ton of the fallacies. And you can view all the pages. You can go through this book for free on their website. And they have every, every single one of them. You yeah, got Argument of Consequences, The Straw Man. Those, those two are usually the two that you always see. Appeal to Irrelevant Authority, Equivocation, False Dilemma, Not a Cause for a Cause, False Cause, essentially. Appeal to Fear, Hasty Generalization, Appeal to Ignorance. No true Scotsman. All these fallacies you will run into as you're having discussions with people to try and determine truth. You need to understand these and know these. And in fact, you may see these in documents, in books, in documentaries, in news, you name it. You'll see these all over the place. Whenever you see a fallacy occur. You should instantly assume that whatever they're about to say is possibly false. Because if you have to rely on a fallacy to put your point forward, chances are your point cannot stand on its own merits. It may not have evidence to back it up. It may be a subjective opinion. It may be... You have all the facts in front of you, but you've connected it to it differently. So your perception is slightly different than somebody else's. And you're both working from the same, same facts. But I, either way, the key component to be able to combat ignorance is to start with yourself. And in order to start from yourself, you need humility. You need to be able to know that you could be wrong. And in fact, if it's a subject you've never looked into, you probably are. On the subject of gender, on race, on uh, LGBT, on a number of other things, assume that you're probably wrong. Assume that the stereotypes of the flamboyant gay person that hits on straight men to just rape them is wrong. And then question it that doesn't necessarily mean that you should question your own sexuality because sexual desire and driving traits when it comes to things like that are neurological. This has been proven emphatically. You can question that, of course, as well, if you really want to. That's entirely up to you. Um, But just don't expect a different outcome than what you already assumed. Nor should you assume that somebody else's choice, even though you may find it repugnant to yourself, is necessarily bad or wrong. Because this is a display of ignorance which turns into justifiable bigotry on your own part. Bigotry being sourced from ignorance. The, the problem with this is humility is a hard thing for many people. It's hard to be humble, especially when you think you're right and you just know that you're right. Um, Bible thumpers will often argue that sex with another man is a sin, and therefore it's inherently evil. Their Bible does tell them that it should be an abomination, something to be hated. So they're told to hate gay people without actually knowing anybody that's gay. They automatically assume. They just hate them. Why? What if their son was gay? Should you hate your son? If you knew your son was a very good person all the way through growing up, but he just happened to like guys, is that a reason to hate your son? Even though everything else about that person that you know to be true, based on your interactions with them, suggests that they're not somebody that should be hated. You must have humility when you're facing your own ignorance in order to overcome that ignorance. And then, eventually, destroy it. But there's another section that usually turns into debate, and debate is um, usually a constant battle of ideas where you place forth your idea and back it up with evidence, and they place forth their idea and back it up with evidence. One of the things that I'm doing uh, on my YouTube channel is uh, my next couple of videos are going to be pretty interesting because I'm going to do just that. One of them is I'm going to take this uh, RK selection theory and destroy it. I'm going to take the toxic masculinity and destroy that as well. But both of these are assumptions based on ignorance. That's because they've learned enough about a particular subject and then they stop. They learned enough to reinforce their assumptions, assumptions based on ignorance. But that's an important thing. When you learn enough, what if you get it wrong? What if you get it right? This all comes down to the analysis of data, analysis of information that you're you're consuming, you're collecting to determine what is right and wrong. With data, it can be very insidious. Data usually doesn't care, but you can fudge numbers to make it care. The the key here is to take the data where it lies. One of the things that I've done, because I was curious whether this was true or not, was I've I've been seeing the complaint or the argument that Black people are inherently more susceptible to crime and all this other nonsense. Basically, Black people are just vicious people. I know this not to be true because uh, where I work and the people I hang around – and the people I know are not like that. It's a stereotype. And it's one I don't agree with. It doesn't align with the, with the observations that I have this far. But when I grabbed the, the evil crimes, the ones that we know require malice, uh, rape, murder, and uh, assault, three crimes that are not petty they're not stupid crap like theft. I mean, theft is pretty bad. Like if you break into somebody's house, somebody's house and just taking everything, for example, not not a good thing. Um, but, you know, this – I left out theft. I left out larceny. I, I left out um, tax fraud, stuff like that. The big three, murder, rape, assault, and did the data. And it aligned with some of the opinions that people are pushing that black people just can cl- commit insanely more crimes. And the assumption is, is they're being treated unfairly because of this. I could see that true. They probably are being treated unfairly because they are doing that much crime. Is it right? Probably not. They're being judged. Here's the kicker, though. As I did the analysis, it's that that view is correct, that because blacks do insanely more crime, therefore, they go to jail more. They get treated worse by cops, stuff like that. But when you scale it out and do an analysis in comparison to the total body of people, You have to have a cutoff here, mind you. So let's go into a little bit, just before I I hit the point here, I want to make the um, position known that when you're doing a statistical analysis, um, with most things, you need a standard deviation of error, meaning that if you're within a certain range of the mean, of the middle number or whatever, that you go way outside of that. It's probably not statistically relevant nor statistically valid, meaning it's, It's a non-issue, if you will. So, to combat this particular piece of ignorance where we have Black Lives Matter saying everybody's being treated unfairly and then they hold up martyrs to demonstrate it, but the martyrs they hold up are actually criminals. And then you have the other side saying, well, just stop doing more crime. And they're holding all the black people up to doing – as people doing that more crime – They have looked at the data long enough to validate their own assumptions, their own opinions, but they haven't dug into it deeply enough to correct ignorance. I guess the thing I'm getting at is they did it half-assed. They only went as far as they needed to to back up their own opinions. Because when I scaled back the data and went to the national population size of everybody – it did show that black people are doing 4% of all crime and white people are doing 2% of all crime. So there was double. But 4%, you're, you're talking about uh, 16 million people. It was like, it was, it was a negligible number. 4% at as statistically relevant is 5 If it was to be a valid statistic, of those incarcerated, it was actually 40% were black people, which aligns if you were to bring it out to the total population. We're talking about when it was all combined, though, like everybody that does these three bad things, the rape, murder, assault, 2% of our population is what we're stressing over. 2% of our population is giant douchebags they kill people, they rape people, they murder people. That means 98% of the people don't do that. So obviously it's an unfair assumption to assume that black people just commit, commit insanely more crime because they're just criminals and they're they're savages. It's not true. You're talking about a small portion of people that are they could be driven by a number of different factors from poverty to criminal element, to bullying, to peer pressure, to uh, a number of other things, fanaticism, you name it, you know, it it could be a number of key contributing factors that drive that type of behavior. And that's a completely different subject altogether. But my point being that the assumption of uh, both sides of the party was based on their own ignorance that they did not dig deep enough into the data to determine what if they got it right. What if they got it wrong? They didn't do a double analysis. They didn't look deep enough. So it reinforced their ignorance rather than combat it. And this is what I would suggest to you. Now, if you're not doing the Socratic method and you're not going to discuss it with another person, then your, their alternative is to look it up yourself and try to learn as much as you can. But when you look it up yourself, you've got to check your sources. Make sure they're credible. Check for fallacies. If if you go through a paragraph and you see their opening clauses, their opening premise has a bunch of broad-based assumptions in there, like, well, how are you going to determine and define those assumptions? Are those even correct in the first place? And you read further through, and they don't ever define those, and they don't ever back them up, it, chances are it's just one giant opinion piece masquerading as intelligent statistical analysis or or a journal article or what have you. It's just an opinion piece. It's another opinion piece. It's garbage. Useless. You start from uh, an axiom principle, as I will put it, something you believe to be true and just accept it to be true because it is true. I don't need to back it up because everybody knows that I, you don't need evidence to back up this truth. Well, if you're starting from somewhere like that, it better be a mathematical equation because those are the only things that I am aware of that. Are absolutes in truth? Pi is one example. Gravity is mathematically true. And other things like that. But when you're talking about sociology and ph- psychology, no, you better have a study to present, and not an opinion piece. You better have done the research, showed your assumptions, laid out your method, and your what you're going to be testing. Determine whether or not your test came out right and then test it, and then it is either now true or false. Not, I believe this is true, these are the things I think is true, this is my premise. If we go down here, this is what it means, and therefore sexism. It's that that's one giant piece of fallacy. But here's the problem for combating ignorance and the axiom principle in general there is. Some questions, there are some questions rather, that we will never be able to answer. How did we all get here? The very original species of our kind. We have theories and all could be true. Some we could be partial in each. These are all things that we've been researching and trying to find out forever. The beginning of the universe, how did it start? Bren Shapiro? God did it. If you believe astrophysics, we don't know. We probably will never know because there's no data that we can see that will let us know. There are some questions that we may never, ever have an answer to in our lifetime. We may have an answer to them later in life. We may find a a lot of this knowledge several lifetimes away from now. But what matters is what you can contribute now to the body of knowledge that will combat ignorance. The more that we can quell ignorance in our society, the better our society will be in the long run. We should encourage people to seek truth and seek knowledge. Not your truth, not the truth of the Bible, not the truth of religion's, those that are those truths that cannot be denied because all evidence points toward that truth, not doing a half assed job and just doing analysis to confirm what you believe to be true because that's a belief, that's an opinion, that's not truth. But, um, I'm gonna leave you with this so as I was doing some research into. What we can do, I found something that kind of aligns with the same type of things that I'm talking about here where we want to combat and fight ignorance. One of the things that may happen as we move toward trying to quell ourselves of all ignorance is that we enhance or bring up our own base intelligence. So there's been multiple studies on the frame of intelligence, the G factor, and IQ in particular. I was reading through some of it, and I, f- I came across this blog on Psychology Today that discussed about new evidence that has come out in 2016, so just last year, on methods that can increase your IQ index, your, your intelligence quotient. So I'm going to read the last paragraph out of this blog, Psychology Today, uh, New Evidence, Way to Raise Your IQ is the name of it. Um, well, that's that's the uh, URL, but if you go, the name of it is actually New Evidence for a Way to Raise Your IQ. A new study show that practicing your relational skills will make you smarter. And I can see where this is going because it, it teaches you deduce, uh, deductive reasoning, but deductive reasoning in aligned with factual evidence, and this is why I'm pushing for, you do things half-assed, you're you're just going to trap yourself. So the Tiris et al. study was published in the name, or excuse me, in the same scientific journal as the recent case study in which relational skills training was used to increase intellectual ability of a very young child. Specifically, Perra and Ruiz took two students from the same school as close in age and close in age and randomly assigned them to training and no training conditions. A boy aged four years and, and one month was exposed to extensive training, naming word-object coordination relations and derivation of equivalence relations. So uh, it, A equals B and B equals C does A equals C. A girl, aged three, 11 months was employed as the no-training control participant. McCarthy aptitudes of psychometric scale was used to evaluate cognitive and uh, psychomotor development before and after training. The boy was exposed to only eight hours of training in total across two months, but following this, he showed an increase of more than 1.5 standard deviations in general cognitive index. Of the GCI and the MS, MSCA, a rise from 106 to 132. In contrast, the control participant showed a mere 10 point increase across the same period. Interestingly, the boys' r- increased cognitive ability was some t- somewhat maintained at a six month follow up with no further training. While this study was a case study employing only single participant, is more important because it a different form of relational skills training to two studies outlined above. Therefore, implicates the broad utility of relational skills enhancement approached to increasing general intelligence and cognitive function. Now, the other one that they mentioned was there was a study that they did, a training and no training, same type of thing. And uh, it was found that their intelligent quotient increased dramatically. The no training people, no significant difference between the groups in performance. There was a significant increase in the SPM performance. And when somebody does in a statistical analysis, and they say significant, that means it's beyond the, the 5% deviation. There was, there was something that just happened here. And we know it just happened here. What is that thing? And it happens to be the training increased the intelligence of the individual. So, too, would I say that Socratic method coupled with something like this, which is a cognitive ability that you would be grouping yourself with, such as finding fallacies and understanding how to destroy them. Those two things would help you combat your own ignorance. So this is all I had for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I do have a few tools here. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, please ask for uh, any of the reports or the my links to this particular episode. Uh, I'll happily cha- uh, share them with you. Uh, Google them up yourself if you want. That's fine by me, too. I have uh, the remainder of the year, November and December. I'm going to have an uh, interesting time. My next show is a very... Big surprise! I have a guest um, skeptic. Nikki is going to be joining me in my next episode. Going to discuss some of her new predicaments. What's new for her? Uh, we haven't talked in a in a year on on my podcast, so I'm opening up the floor to her to talk about her new initiative and what she's doing to combat religion in particular. I hope to hear hear you guys on my next show in two weeks. Thank you for joining me on the Axiom Principle. It's been a real treat, and thank you for listening. Uh, It means more to me than you may know.